Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and with me today is Paul Eastwood. Right. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing okay. Yeah, you're fighting a little bit of a, a I cold. I have been, yeah. So we're uh, doing what we can. We're fighting through. Absolutely. We will, we will make it through this next 20 minutes or so. Um, we are, again, in this series called Entrusted. Uh, and Paul, you preached this Sunday from Titus 2, um, talking about about young and old, talking about how we live together, um, right. what, it, what it looks like to, to be aware that we're being watched yeah. by others and be aware that we're examples to others. Um, and then you touched on the grace of God and how that's so foundational for everything. But this is a great passage, um, a challenging yeah. passage at times, definitely some for things sure. that, that uh, have been interpret, interpreted differently through the ages. Um, so let's, uh, let's dig in. First of all, is there anything that you didn't say on Sunday or that you want to clarify from what you did say on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I mean, nothing really in the sense that, um, you know, obviously, as uh, maybe we can talk a little bit as we go along here, but as in preparing messages, you, you sort of make some decisions about things. And, and um, but, you know, certainly I, I, I really wanted to get across this idea that, again, like you said, we were being watched. But the, the interesting thing is when, when we talk about this idea of somebody is watching you um, as you live your life, we often think about uh, God is watching us. We often think about this idea that, you know, the all-powerful, uh, uh, ever-present God is, is, is watching us. And mm -hmm. so that should change our behavior. But what I was trying to get at is that it's not, it's also the people that are around us mm. that are watching us. And it's not just the outside world, it's people inside the church. And yeah. I think that the people inside the church that are watching, it's, it's, it's vital that we are thinking about that as we live out our lives. Um, because, because what we do here as a church matters uh, so incredibly. We have this, this message that's been entrusted to us, this good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it's so important that we have to uh, we have to do our best to to get it right, and and so that that really includes the way we live out our lives uh, in front of each other. Yeah, <clears throat> awesome. This is uh, this is tough to do well. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, when I when I think about the uh, the power of the church, I think about the church in Philippi um, is often the one that I think of when I think of unity in the church mm. and the power of unity despite. Or, or not despite, but but um, the power of unity uh, because of our diversity. I think of the church in Philippi that, that started with, you know, down by the water and there was this woman who was a business owner and there was, you know, uh, there was probably a slave uh, and also a master and others, you know, people all coming together mm -hmm. um, and they come from different backgrounds and that makes us see God in, in such an incredible way. So I love the fact that our church is filled with different generations. Uh, we have folks who've been around for, for many years yeah. and uh, they have such uh, incredible experience to be able to share. And then we have lots of energy and excitement with, um, with some of our younger uh, folks who are really kind of pushing the envelope and, and wanting to see uh, the, you know, the message of God continue to be shared in ways that are uh, exciting and new and fresh and all of those good things. Mm. Yeah. So good. Um, and it, yeah, it is, it is hard. It is, I mean, different generations understand things a bit differently. Mm -hmm. We've seen so much change in the world, mm -hmm. even um, in how we communicate, right? So mm -hmm. uh, my, my grandparents love to pick up the phone and to call me or to write me letters. And I text pretty much everyone I know. And yeah. uh, these things are at times things we have to think about, but they're actually not what, they shouldn't keep us apart. And they should, we should be able to still interact with one another in really healthy ways. 
Right. And so, and this is, this is where I think is really important when in the book of Titus, when Paul was writing to this young leader, he was looking at the church and, and we recognize that things change, like you're saying, but one thing that doesn't change is the idea that God transforms our lives and that happens to all of us. And so one of the things I talked about when we started with the older generation is this idea that, that what's most important is the way that you live your life. Hmm. Uh, Paul doesn't instruct Titus to tell the older generation, Hey, why don't you tell the younger generation everything that you know? Yeah. That's not what he says. Mm. He says, set an example for them. And there's this amazing picture of maturity in godliness that is the expectation that, that, that Paul has for Titus to instruct the older generation. And, you know, to me in our church context as well, I think that one of the things that our older generation can demonstrate for us and is it's so important is, is just this, this, you know, confident, godly living. Mm. Um, in fact, the other night I had an opportunity to, um, uh, one of the people in our church, uh, is not well and in hospital. And so I called up, um, uh, this, this individual's wife and I was having a conversation with her and I was able to pray with her on the phone. And all of a sudden I had this, this, this interesting thing happen because this woman is, is on our, what we call our in touch ministry. And she calls people on a regular basis and yeah. prays for them. And yeah. she goes through, you know, different people and praying and praying. And, and all of a sudden here I am having the opportunity to pray with her. And that moment wasn't lost on me because mm. it reminded me that she was being such an amazing example to me. And, and then for me to be able to repeat that back and, and do something for her was actually a really special little moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And I love, I mean, we, we were out on a family walk last night and uh, Rachel's phone, my wife's phone rings and it's someone from the church, from the in-touch ministry calling and just yeah. saying, how are you doing? How can we pray for you? And I love, I love that that's a part of our church. It's pretty cool. Um, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. It happens behind the scenes, but it's, uh, it's so important. Yeah. The, one of the ways we, we live together. Um, so a lot of this passage here, I mean, <clears throat> you, you must teach what is appropriate, sound doctrine. This is Titus 2 we're looking at. Yeah. Um, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, and love and endurance. Um, then it goes through older women and younger women and younger men. Um, there's, there's At times, there's this hint of like, it's all about self-control. It's about controlling right. passions. It's about, you know, dialing it back and, and being almost stoic is is at times what people have read into this and the impression that it gives. What, what would you say to that? Like for, I, sure. I know lots of young people who are, who are really passionate and who might, might feel discouraged if, if what they're hearing is, well, no, you can't, you can't be passionate. You can't, yeah. don't take things too far. And I don't think that's what the passage is saying. No, I don't. And, and I, I was actually uh, reading in a, um, a commentary by uh, Chuck Swindoll and he, he talks about this idea that um, you know, part of what was being taught within this idea of being self-controlled, mm. especially with the younger generation, um, it, it has this idea of, of helping the younger generation understand where and how to apply the brakes in life. Mm. And, and this doesn't mean that we are supposed to curb our passion or curb our um, enthusiasm or energy, yep. but I think there is a point that we should be curbing our ambition. Hmm. And, and what I mean by that is that there are times when, <laughs> when our ambition is, is about our own pride and our own, um, you know, feeling of, okay, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. You know, when I think about my kids, um, you know, oftentimes when they, when they go to do something, even if it's like pouring juice or something like that, there's all hmm. kinds of confidence when they grab that juice and they think I can do this. And yep. then they, they go to pour it and they, you know, it doesn't quite go as well as they planned. 
Um, but, but I kind of see that, that that sort of continues on in life. Eventually you help people sort of bring, you know, dial back that confidence and, um, but also, uh, still allow them to kind of push forward. And, and I would by no means, uh, want the younger generation to stop being uh, passionate or pushing forward or trying things or being excited about, hmm. um, about what they're up to, um, the way they think through things creatively that is what brings life and vitality um, to the church. You think about the way that the church has, you know, in, in history, so many times the, um, you know, these, these moments of um, revitalization in the church, um, revival even, really came through not just, I'm not talking about the younger generation in terms of, you know, you and me. I'm talking about the younger generation in terms of kids and teenagers. Oftentimes, they're the ones that bring the excitement and vitality into the church. And so we need more of that for sure. Yeah. Um, but we also need to help them understand that they come into a context that has history and that mm. has a past. And all of that matters <clears throat> too. And, yeah. and I think I think recognizing those who have come before allows you to be even more effective in in um, in moving forward. Yeah, and I'm one of our, I mean, I say all the time I work in in the world of music and worship, and and obviously everyone's got an opinion about that, uh, and I get to listen to all those and do my best right. to lead our church well through that, taking into account what right. we're called to biblically, and then also the fact that that worship and arts are cultural and they're cultural expressions, and and there are the young cultural expressions and older cultural expressions and trying to figure out how to balance that. And I know in, in any given time, um, to, to serve our congregation well, we're going to, we're going to compromise and, and in a really healthy way, right? It's absolutely it's practicing for our young people. It's practicing self-control yep. to, to not just do the newest and the hippest and exactly what they want. And for our older people, it's also practicing, um, maturity and a self-control to say, this is reaching our younger people. Um, and I love that we get to do that together. Yeah. It's not always easy, yep. but I love that that's part of, part of what we do as a church. Cause I think that's what the Christian life looks like. That's what we're called to. Yeah. Do. And I, I don't want to put you on the spot here or anything or, or, you know, make you feel uncomfortable, but I think you do this really well, Dave, you know, in our, in our context, uh, you understand what it is to, um, encourage the next generation. Um, but you also are able to honor and respect those who've come before. And I think that's the best way for us to move forward. And, and, and really, again, it's about living out our lives in front of others. And, mm -hmm. and I think you do that really well. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about some of the, the parts of this passage that are maybe a, a bit harder or a bit different for us. I mean, you, you touched briefly on, um, on the verse four. So uh, older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine. Makes sense, but to teach what is good. Makes sense. Then they can urge younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, all good, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. To, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands. That, you know, that, that pushes a bit against what we, we see culturally today being, being pushed as, um, you know, women, women should be empowered to do stuff. Is this, is this speaking against that? What's going on here? Yeah, a, a good question. And and so, I mean, this is something that obviously as you read through, you can't avoid these these passages that seem to kind of speak in these ways that uh, are counterintuitive um, or, or what have you. And I, I think I would say at the outset that a lot of what we read in the Bible is a bit jarring to us mm -hmm. because it's because it is not it is um, it's it's often um, it often demonstrates something that is not common. And so I think we have to wrestle with these things just as they are, instead <clears> of just, you know, assuming and, and saying, and I, I said all the way through this message that, um, 
you know, what we see in the book of Titus and in first and second Timothy were written to a specific people at a specific time, but that does not mean that none of it is useful for us today. For sure. And I, I think that instead of rushing over these passages, I think we should actually dig in a little bit and, and really consider it. Now it's difficult for me, um, not being a woman to, um, you know, to kind of go down that road specifically. But, but what I would say about what's in this passage is that, Again, none of these lists are exhaustive lists. Um, they are. They are. When he talks about what the older generation or the older men should do, what the older women should do, what the younger women and the mm-hmm. older women, um, none of these are exhaustive lists. Uh, because something is not there doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, or we shouldn't. You know, um, we shouldn't. You know, it's not appropriate. Yep. So, for instance, there is a lot more things that young men should do beyond just being self-controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all he mentions in this passage. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the women, he mentions these two things. And yeah, I think the the idea of being um, busy at home was really uh, was really talking about um, women working uh, inside the home um, and having integrity and and sort of uh, doing that well. Mm-hmm. That was the place where most women were serving. But I mean, you think about, I mentioned the church in Philippi, uh, there was a, a woman who Paul met early in his ministry, who was a uh, merchant of, you know, purple cloths, or, yeah. you know, she was a textiles uh, person who had a business. And, uh, you know, she was welcomed into this early church. Uh, there's no indication that she was told, hey, what you're doing is not okay. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, this passage does not um, uh, speak to the issue of of whether or not women should be working inside or outside the home, or yep. or, or not working outside the home, or whatever it is. For sure, um, that's not the point of this. Uh, it's the fact is that there were that at this time, um, you know, women were in the home, and so he was saying, uh, you know do that well. You also have to think about the fact that, that marriage relationships were very different um, in terms that it, they weren't really based on this kind of romantic, hey, you know, courtship period. And yep. it, they were sort of arranged, people were put together. And so what Paul was saying is he said, I want your relationships to be uncommonly loving. Hmm. And, and, and I want your relationships to be lived out in front of the rest of the world so that uh, the Christian marriages or, or followers of Jesus who are married would stand out. And so this idea of loving not just your children, but also your husband and and serving in the home would be a way of, of demonstrating this uncommon love in a pretty cool way. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and the idea of submission, I mean, certainly we could get into that. Um, but I, but I would say like in Ephesians, we probably see a clear picture of a godly marriage in this context. Uh, they're talking specifically about women. Um, submitting, uh, but there's also an idea in Ephesians that there should be mutual submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys are called to love their wives, um, and and all of this is sort of part of um, uh, part of this. But I think I think what's really going on here is about um, putting our partners first. So. Yeah. For those of us who are listening to this who are married, I think we should take out of this that we should be putting our partners first. And um, if you're, uh, you know, a woman reading this passage, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, back from you about how you deal with with some of these uh, these passages and some of the things that are written about. But yeah, yeah I think I think we need to remember that our relationships are on display and people are watching. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. And I, I mean, I'll. I've studied enough of these passages yeah. to know that often what, what Paul is writing in, in any of these passages where we kind of question, really, should women be doing that? Yeah. He, he's also got this section on men. And culturally speaking, what he was calling men to was often more radical. It yeah. was often more for like, sure. like, you know, for young men to be self-controlled. This is a culture where it was expected that men could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Um, so Paul's actually putting the onus here more on the men than the women in a way. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, maybe not more, but but equally at least to oh, say absolutely. like, yeah, it matters. People are watching. Um, be uncommonly loving to one another. Yep. And and the way that expresses. So as we keep reading in this passage, we get to verse nine, and it talks about slaves, um, teaching slaves yeah. to be subject to their masters and everything. What what are we getting at here? Uh, I mean, it, is Paul saying it's it's fine for slaves to be slaves? How do we understand this in our context today? Yeah. I, I, again, I I think that he wasn't um, speaking in favor of of slavery in this passage, but he was talking to those who were in slavery in slavery. And he was saying about this idea of being subject to their masters and everything and trying to please them. And essentially what he's saying is that those of us who are under authority in our work environment uh, need, to be, need to be thinking carefully about the way that we act. So, so I think this is not just something that happens in, um, you know, in, that, in that context. It's something that's very applicable to us today because a lot of us find ourselves under the authority of someone else in our work environment. And sometimes... Um, it can be quite oppressive. I, I'm not trying to make any comparisons to slavery, of course, mm-hmm. but what I'm what I am saying is that is that we uh, in that relationship have uh, a really important uh, way that we can live so differently that it attract it's attractive to others. Yeah. So I mean, in some ways, I think you can almost. I mean, it's a little different, but almost yeah. replace slaves with employees yeah. and masters with employers or bosses. Um, I actually love. Love the message translation here. So uh, verse 9 and 10 in Titus 2. Guide slaves into being loyal workers, a bonus to their masters. Right. No backtalk, no petty thievery. Then their good character will shine through their actions, adding luster to the teaching of our Savior God. Good character it. will shine through their actions. I love it. Adding luster. I, I, I just love the way that that's described. And I think that's, that I think is really, that really draws this whole passage uh, together. But I think what's even more important is that next verse, and I didn't really get deep into it on Sunday, Hmm. but this idea in verse 11 that talks about the grace of God, and it talks about the fact that it brings salvation, but the thing that I think is so important is that it also teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to say yes to being self-controlled, living appropriate, upright, godly lives. And so there's this idea that the grace of God saves us, but we also recognize in this passage that the grace of God trains us. And I think what he's getting at here is something that's really important to Paul's theology, and that is that being always precedes doing. So who we are always changes the way we do things. Um, You know, all of the activities that were listed earlier are all a list of of things that happen um, when we've been transformed by the power of God. And and so this idea of the the grace that's been extended to us doesn't just save us. It It actually helps us today. It helps me you know, uh, move past some of my mistakes and, and try again. It helps me. It gives me confidence um, when I need confidence. And yeah. there is something really powerful about that idea of grace. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we are just about out of time. Yeah. Um, anything anything you want to offer to us as a church, as a challenge from, from this passage? What, yeah. what should we be doing differently? Well, I just want to say, and I said this on Sunday, that we are being watched. And we're being watched by teenagers and kids who want to know whether what we, are, what we believe is actually what we believe. Mm-hmm. And we're being watched by an older generation who's wondering if we're going to carry the torch and mm-hmm. continue what they started. And we're also being watched by those who haven't chosen to believe. Um, and those people want to see if there's any truth behind what we call good news. Yeah. And I think that this is so vitally important to us as we, you know, begin to bring this, this series to a close, God has entrusted us with this incredible message and he's given us the church to be his method of sharing this good news with the world. And I think what we, what we really wanted to focus on this week is recognizing 
that that the that there are so many who are watching us and we need to be thinking very carefully about what our lives actually say hmm. to the rest of the world and to people in our church awesome yeah it's a good challenge good challenge well until next week thank you paul uh yeah. we will be back next week with more postscript thank you for listening along and uh, we'll see you soon